Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. to the nine foot homemade oak bar pour yourself a cold one my name is chris his name is craig bucks in the basement 30 minutes of pirates talk for fans by fans and you were at the three home run game weren't you the zawinski uh explosion of power with that amazing picture that went across the globe i believe because i just keep seeing it pop up on social media on television where he's coming home after the walk-off and the helmet's coming right at the camera that's taking his picture as he comes up the line. Uh, just a gorgeous day and, a, and an awful lot of fun. And I, I, You got to go to it. What was it like, my friend? Well, here's the thing, Chris. It is kind of cool that for the past two days, Pirates pictures have not only been shared all over, you know, Pirates Twitter, but also, you know, Barstool, uh, Talking Yanks, everybody, John Boy. I mean, everybody is all over the pi- – so it's actually kind of funny – but Chris, you've been to a you've been to a baseball game with with a young child, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. In fact, I'm trying to avoid it right now. We're in the rotation where the 6-year-old has to wait till I get the the 14-year-old to a game and he's very upset about it. I, I, he's at the bottom of my rotation because it is the most work that you have to do at a, at a baseball game when you bring a when you bring a young kid. Yeah, so basically what happens, Chris? This is what should happen at this baseball game. My uh my 11-year-old, who is who is super big into baseball, me and him are talking about the game. Everything's going on. We see Hoy Park solo home run. We see Jack Sawinski's first home run. And everything's going great. And then the 5-year-old starts to get antsy. And he has to go pee. And he needs his drink refilled. And we're in line. And you hear a giant roar from the crowd. And, of course, they have those little TVs right up above where I'm getting the pop. Right. And Zawinski's second home run goes over. And, of course, I get back up to my seat. And I'm like, buddy, that was awesome. My 11-year-old wants to tell me exactly what Zawinski did and everything. And I'm like, okay, that this is, you know, this is awesome. Okay, so now we're going to sit here. Seventh inning rolls around. Five-year-old getting antsy again. We got to go down to the playground. I'm like, okay, well, you can go to the playground. Me and the 11-year-old, we're going to find a spot in the outfield. Five-year-old goes into total meltdown mode that he wants to play with his brother at the playground. Have you have you ever tried the word no? Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to. I don't want to give you parenting tips here, okay, buddy. I, I understand, but I mean, the word no is an effective tool. When dealing with you, you're at a ball game for, I mean, like this would be what I would tell my kid. Cause I, I have a six year old, right? So I have one. It's only, a, I took the, I took him when he was five last year to a game. And I remember looking at him going, you're at the ball game with dad. And if you're not going to watch the ball game with dad, this will be the last time you go to a ball game with dad until you could sit still for an entire game. And as much as it bothered him, he looked in my eyes and he realized he was getting cut out of the rotation, Craig. Yeah. And this is the funny part is that, Everybody will say 
that they saw Jack Sawinski's walk-off home run. But not you. And I could look around, and I will call out people if they start posting this type of stuff because there was at least 40 to 50 parents at the little kid zone they have down there. Oh, no. That basically all of a sudden... I have my I have my cell phone like in my hand and the alert goes up. I see the fireworks go off behind me and I'm just like, oh my God, something great just happened. And you missed it. Completely missed it. And the funny thing is, is Chris, this will be one of those things in Pirates folklore where there are two two times in my life where I have missed something that is has been like actually pretty big. Number one was the 10-inning no-hitter walk-off in 1997. I did not go to that game because I got called in to work at McDonald's. I had gone to the game the night before, and this wasn't like where you could see it or something. I read it in my grandparents' newspaper the next day on Sunday after I was a good Catholic boy and went to church and showed up to Grandma's for breakfast. Missed that completely, but people will always claim, oh, yeah, I was at that game. Like right. Everybody in Pittsburgh was at that game. The Quato, the Quato game. No, I wasn't at the blackout game. I was watching it, actually not even sitting down, pacing back and forth in my apartment with two sleeping children because it was on a Monday night, and that's when I had them for like my custody for that period of time. So I didn't have my kids all the time you know, getting into the delves of Craig Toss life here. But I wasn't at that game. But guess what? That game could only fit like 35,000 people. But for some reason, there were 60,000 to 80,000 people <laughs> at that game. And there are going to be at least 65 to 70,000 people that are going to say they saw Jack Swinsey's walk-off home run. And I know there's at least 50 of us that looked at each other and had the same look and were like, my dear God, how did I miss that? But then I gave my kids a hug. We went home. We swam in the pool. Good day. No, no, it's not a good day, Craig. I'm going to take the other side on this one. I'm I'm thoroughly disappointed in you. Uh, I think that you did a disservice to your children, especially your poor 11-year-old who uh, who missed it because he had to play with his little brother. I think you need to start saying the word no. I mean, look at the money you spent. This is why I always hate kid zones. You know what I'm saying? Like kid zones, especially like like Kansas City has a kid zone that is detrimental to parents. It's like way out in the outfield. I've seen it a couple of times. I have relatives out there. Okay. And you can't really see the game from where you're standing. You know, what's crazy is you still paid the same amount of money as the people that got to watch the actual game. You paid that as a cover charge for a slide. And, and you, you know, another one, that's, there's one that's really good. The, the, the White Sox do it well on the south side of Chicago. Their kid zone is actually on a deck that overlooks the uh, the field. And so you can actually, your kid is playing and you are standing there watching it from like a club level. And it's beautiful. Like that's yeah. how you do a kid zone. But the thing with these kid zones are they're a detriment to, I don't think that they grow the game, to be honest with you. I mean, imagine the kid's memory if the kid was there and watched the home run come off the bat, right? In comparison to I was at the kid zone and we had a nice day. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> like, like, I mean, for all these things that we give people inside of the ballpark to like entertain them, if you really want to grow the game of baseball, 
make them watch the game of baseball because those moments are what makes a fan a lifetime fan. You know, that's what makes a person go back and watch the bad years because every once in a while there's magic and they believe even when their team is down in a game or if it's a close game or things haven't been going well, they believe because they saw that and they didn't walk off to the bar or the kids zone. And I just think there's so much going on inside of ballparks. I mean, it's fun and all, but at that point late in the game, the kids zone should be a ghost town because there's an opportunity to see something amazing. So no, I, I think you failed your children. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> thoroughly disappointed in you as a man. And I think you need to learn the word no, because that, that five-year-old in my house would be out of the rotation. That kid would come to me this year and be like, when do I get to go to a game? I'm like, after last year, uh, you're out. That, that kid would be out. That's a, that's an, at least a one year ban from baseball games where, where it's just like, you're not old enough to go to these. And when you when you're old enough to go to these games and sit through them, you can go back to the game. And and actually, if you're talking about missed opportunities, the the Pirates in some ways kind of kind of miss Father's Day by having O'Neill Cruz out there on Sunday and every single father talking to their kid about this six foot seven shortstop. But I mean, he comes a day later, Chris. We knew it was coming. We were excited for it. But that's a missed opportunity right there for, you know, all the people to build, like, you know, but they got Jack Swinsky's walk-off, so, yeah, I mean, they got to be happy about be mad about, about that? If you think about the last couple of days of uh, Pittsburgh Pirates baseball have been the most interesting that they've been in half a decade, if not more. You, you get the great finish to the weekend, and then you get O'Neal Cruz comes up, and he's, you know, the greatest baseball player that ever lived. I mean, the hype around him is almost obnoxious. Like, we're excited. I'm excited he's up. You're excited he's up. But I... The, there's that clip that went around the internet on Monday of him throwing like the most ridiculously fast throw from short to first to get the runner. Like, look at the cannon arm. 6.7 right. yeah, miles want, per hour. You want to know why he had to throw it that hard? Because he double clutched and, and almost misplayed the entire thing. A routine ground ball he made harder. And then he had to throw the ball like really, really hard. Like imagine if he threw that ball really, really hard and it went over uh, first base head. Which which could be pretty easy because we still have the five foot ten guy at first base. Right. You got a five foot ten guy standing at first base. That really, really hard throw could have been an absolute disaster. So I mean, like, like I, look, I'm into him. I think he's going to be great. I think he's a star. I think he's a guy who sits in the middle of your lineup for years to come. He's gonna he's gonna slot somewhere between two and five in your lineup. He's gonna. Uh, Maybe stick it short. If not, it it won't matter because of the bat. And he's going to be an exciting player, and everybody should go out and buy their O'Neill Cruz jerseys because it's a it's a good investment. You know, it's a good you're going to be wearing that for years and be proud of it. But on the other hand, can we can we stop acting like Mickey Mantle just arrived? Can we can we stop acting like you know? Remember that movie where they find Brendan Fraser in the jungle and he shows up and he just can't <laughs> he can't he can't do anything wrong. It was what it was L. Brooks. It was called what was it called? The Rookie? No, I don't. know. I can't remember what it was called. Whatever it was called, he comes out of the jungle and he, and he throws the minimum amount of pitches: three strikes to all twenty-seven batters and pitches the most incredible game ever. Just walking out of the jungle, like that's what that's the way I feel like he's being treated right now, Craig. Yeah, Chris, and it's to tell you the truth. I told you that I people may not have saw me on on Twitter that much last night because I, I I wasn't annoyed by it, but I was talking to my I was having a conversation with my brother in law about it, and I was a good conversation. But it was like everything that O'Neill Cruz did was the greatest thing based on some Statcast metric or something, and then people started doing parodies of it, which was 
kind of funny. I read them like through them this morning, but I kind of just wanted to enjoy like watching him play. I, I just wanted to see him play and and I wasn't disappointed. And like you said, that double clutch on that thing, that was the thing that we were laughing about before the show is that that's like one of the things with Ono Cruz as to why he has so many errors. Like he has like 14 to 15 errors in triple A this year. Most of them are throwing errors because he either like, I mean, he's got so such great range that maybe there's plays that he's making that other players wouldn't get to. So it, they wouldn't even get to the throw. But then there's other times where it's he is misplaying a ball or, you know, doing what he did last night, which is like a routine grounder that he just kind of sat back on and then had to do his little double clutch and then launch it. So, I mean, there are going to be, I mean, for on there's on each side of the spectrum, there's gonna be those, you know, 112 mile mile per hour base clearing doubles. There's gonna be, you know the ball just like whipping across the infield. It's going to be like, man, if another guy tried to make that play, it was never going to happen. But there's also going to be him looking silly on a changeup. There's going to be the, you know, the league hitting back at him. We talked about uh, when Key Brian Hayes came up and was Ted Williams for a month. Right. And then the league hit back a little bit. Right. And and now he's just like kind of like a, a good ball player. And his is mostly on the defense with a little bit more on the offense. The the general way the general way that players progress and, and development is not linear and it's not the same for everybody, but generally when a player makes it to the major leagues, some of them just go off like a Brian Hayes, right? Or like Wander Franco last year, right? They just get there and it's just like, wow, that's guy just cannot be stopped. And even those guys will regress back to the norm when Major League Baseball starts figuring out how to how to approach them. And then it's all about that next level of development. There's still another level or two, even at the majors, because guys really don't peak in their first and second year in the majors. No, that, that comes later on. So, I, you know, every great thing he does, enjoy it. Every time he messes up, shrug and say he's young and he's new. He is going to go through stretches that are going to be maddening. So th- this is going to happen. He's It's exciting. It's fun. There's going to be a lot of hype. The Pirates, if they're smart, are just going to, to market the hell out of him because of the excitement around him. And the only hope is that, one, he's able to handle it because you don't know that. Two, he's able to avoid major injury or just like a, a run of them. And three, he's able to adjust back when the league adjusts to him. And continues to progress because he is not a finished product right now. And that's okay. That's a good thing because that means that all the fun you're watching right now, there's potential for even more from him. So sit back and enjoy it. But I, I, you're right. I mean, like I was surprised I didn't see a tweet that said that he delivered a baby behind second base between the fifth and sixth innings. And cured cancer and ALS and early onset dementia. Right. And he, yeah. He may actually be the cure for COVID as well. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. He's he's he he's one of the X Men. <laughs> 
Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. Plus, it's all online. That's right. From anywhere in the country, you can learn any instrument you want with Westgate Music School. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, westgatemusicschool.com. And I think that Pirates fans have seen so many players go up and down this year that it's it, like they see they see Leover Pagaro come up. And that right there almost caused Pirates Twitter to implode on itself. Like, it, it ended up coming out that Tucapita Marcano had made his way to the COVID IL. Uh, Leover Pagaro was in Altoona. It was an hour and 45 minutes away. I've done that drive. It's not a bad drive. Ono Cruz was down in Gwinnett, somewhere in the, the stretches of, like, Georgia or something. And they which... were waiting on his timeline. <laughs> Why is this so hard to understand? Why would you wait until right now? Why would you screw that up a week ahead of time? Like, at that point, like, I, I, I don't get your argument if you have a problem with that. You're just being ridiculous at this point. You're just dying on a hill you don't need to die on. They had to wait until he reached a certain threshold. And then they made it. Now he's up. Relax. A lot of teams did it. He wasn't the only guy that came up on Monday. Okay? He wasn't the only young guy that came up on Monday because of service time manipulation. He wasn't the only guy in Major League Baseball. It's a normal thing. Yeah. I mean, because there's some that'll be like, oh, thank God that, you know, what is it? The green got his foot hurt or something, or he would have been up at the beginning of the year. And it's like, probably not. Nope. They... nope he wouldn't have been that guy. You talk about Riley Green. It's the center fielder yeah. for the Tigers. No. Because you're telling me that he just happened to be fully healed and finally ready to go exactly on that day? Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's it, absolutely please. Ridiculous. I mean, it's a convenient injury that they were able to then nurse along and then say, well, you need to ramp up. And uh, I think uh, the, the 19th, or what was that? The, was, that the, was that the 20th? Yeah, I think the 20th would be just a great day for you. You know, doctor says that's a good day. Come up on the 20th. You know, I mean, come on, please. So this yeah. is this is how this goes, and I think when you get upset about it, I think you're just you're making yourself upset for no reason. You're raising your blood pressure for no good reason, worrying about when the Pirates bring up O'Neill Cruz in a year that they're not going to win anything. All right, now now what you want to do is you want to see the lineup continue to form. Look, we you, Cabrian Hayes, third base, that's awesome. That's a future right there. O'Neill Cruz at short. Oh my goodness, think about this two years ago. You have a third base and a shortstop that could be the third base and shortstop for the next 10 years, for crying out loud, at least five, right? Like, when you've been waiting for this, right? Okay, you look over at Michael Chavis. Yeah, he's short, but he's doing well at first base. Totally good with that. I, lo I love it, okay? You got Brian Reynolds out there patrolling the outfield. He's hitting well again. And, you know, Jack Zawinski, there's a revelation for you. There's a guy who's going to figure it out. We talked about this last week that, you know, that he's doing what the norm was. So now if he's, if he's doing what the major league averages in this short start to his career, just keep giving him at bats and see if he improves and they're doing it. And look what he did for you on Sunday. He's going to have good games, going to have bad games, but that that's a piece right there. Look at all the pieces that are arriving on this roster. Be happy about that. Who gives a crap whether or not they were here last month or they're here now enjoy it it should be a fun second half 
You know, even if you don't win anything, maybe you'll just kind of hang around and you can look at the standings and be like, look at that. I mean, like uh, if everything just broke perfectly, maybe we could get the last wild card. I mean, you won't, but you'll have fun at the ballpark this year. And next year, I think you can start getting exciting. If guys play well this year, Craig, and you see enough pieces, we're going to spend the offseason talking about where should the Pirates go out and add and what is coming up to start next year. And should they at least try to be competitive next year and try to get themselves into the postseason? We'll be talking about this team has to be over 500 next year. If everything goes well this year, the expectations go up. Enjoy that. Stop worrying about when O'Neill Cruz got here. Yeah, and the, the crazy part and the, and the good part about stuff that I've seen that, you know, we thought was maybe or I thought was maybe like a little bit of a detriment was, you know, Travis Swaggerty only being up here for, you know, nine at bats or whatever. But it doesn't mean you're not going to see not going to see him again. It mean, doesn't mean he's like banished to Indianapolis. It just so happened that he was down there. Kanan Smith and Jigba, unfortunately, bad luck for him. Terrible luck. I mean, he looked good when he was up here. I mean, I was kind of excited about him. Yeah, and, and looking good. And Cal Mitchell. And even like this is what has to happen is, is they want to see guys at least for the first game or two or so look like they should be there. Like even like a guy like Bly Madris who comes well, up. Who? Uh, who? <laughs> come on, Chris. I have mentioned Bly Madris no, since, the, since the beginning of this podcast. I don't I remember. It, I don't ever remember you hearing Bly Madris. I wrote an article about about him back in 2020. Are you sure? Right before the pandemic hit. Absolutely. I am I'm a hundred percent certain. Are you really? Bly yeah. Madris. Who is Bly Madris? Tell me about Bly Madris, because clearly whenever you started talking about him, I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> Bly Madris is is pretty much a guy from he he went to he went to a small college, has worked his butt off throughout the system. I kind of just was one of those guys that it's like if things broke right in 2020, that he could have gotten ahead of guys, you know, like Cal Mitchell, Travis Swaggerty. He was showing, you know, some good potential at that point in time. Pandemic hits, he goes over. He plays ball in Australia. He comes back. He kind of gets shoved down into double A last year, fights his way back up to triple A, plays in Mexico, is is just a, a very hardworking guy. And like I said, Swaggerty was down. Probably couldn't come back up yet because he had to wait. Kanan Smith the Jigba breaks his arm. Madras has been hitting very well uh, this past month in Indianapolis. Wrote about him last week. And he gets called up, has a three-hit game, makes a nice play. I think that if you do that, you may get a little bit longer of a leash from Sherrington because he has so many other options at the outfield and middle infield positions right now. Just like Rodolfo Castro we talked about, he didn't run out the ball the one time. That's the reason they gave. Well, guess what? Somebody else is coming back up. If somebody else doesn't give 100% effort, if Diego Castillo continues to struggle at the plate, you know maybe G1 Bay comes in from Indianapolis. There's just a lot of stuff going on. And Chris, I can't believe that you forgot the name Bly Madras. No, I don't remember Bly Madras at all. He doesn't show up on the MLB Pipeline Top uh, 30 for the Pirates, so I, I uh, immediately I don't, I don't know who he is. I, I only, I only watch guys that are that are highly touted. I know you dig into the like all the minor leaguers. That's like your thing. Like I love your description of them. 
Like, oh, he worked really hard and he did this. You know everything about the guy. Like, I, I don't know who he is. What I know is this. <laughs> I, I know that he, I know he's a left-handed bat, which is always good to have. Okay. And when you have a left-handed bat that was hitting over 900 OPS down in AAA this year, why not? Let's see what happens. Okay. I mean, I don't know if I look at his overall minor league numbers that I sit there and think to myself, well, this guy's going to be a star or an everyday player. I mean, with the exception of what he was doing in AAA this year, He's a average to below average minor league player at yeah. every level that he's at, at least hitting wise. I, I don't know his defense very well. It's hard for me to see that when I'm looking at stats and looking a guy up and paying attention to them from afar. I know you go and sit at these games. So what do you what do you think of how he plays the field? What's the glove like? The glove is actually pretty good, and they they've moved him over to first base. He played first base in college. Uh, just because Mason Martin's been really struggling down there. Plus, you know, Ben Sherrington likes that versatility. Uh, he he plays a strong uh, right field. I I don't know if it would if it would transition to like a left field type thing. They gave him a second base glove. Uh, and shot there. Uh, in in spring training, just because they're they saw him hitting in spring training and they were kind of looking for a place for him and. Like I said, Chris, this is one of the times where like the fan hat is definitely on a little bit more in that excitement of him being able to just actually be up here, have a great game, get a cooler full of ice dumped on his head last night after the game. Like it's just one of those awesome things to see. Is this guy an answer? I don't know, but is he a guy that has put himself in the conversation to get, you know, reps with uh, you know, a Cal Mitchell or Swaggerty if he's back up. It seems like, you know, Sawinski, they've been talking him up a lot. I mean, after a three-home run game, but Shelton also just kind of talked about how well his particular swing plays to that short left-hand porch out there, the Clemente wall. They talked about, like, stuff that I don't, man, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a hitting coach. They talk about like how he's able to put like the backspin on the ball by the way he swings that gives it more loft and more carry. So his swing is just kind of optimal for PNC Park. And that's one thing that, I mean, since PNC Park was erected is thinking about how can we get some left-handed bats to put something you know over the Clemente wall? And I think they're starting to get those guys. I know we don't have a lot of right-handed bats. I'm still not really worried about that. Let's just give these guys as much of a shot as we can. And like I said, we'll probably see Swaggerty here at some point in time. If Mitchell begins to struggle, if Bly Madris would begin to struggle, if, you know, God forbid there would be another injury. But this is where, like, it's, you said, Chris, it's it's getting fun. It's actually entertaining to watch the baseball games. I know for some people that, like, believe me, I want to win. And if you're not winning and it's like, who the heck is this guy? Where'd this guy come from? And, but guess what? If they start playing well, they'll kind of come into the Pittsburgh folklore and they'll be welcome into the city. If they don't, guess what? They they just go back and they will be back in Indianapolis. But it's something at least different than we've seen over the past few years. There's no more Kai Itoms. There's no John Nagowskis. There's no giving, you know, a, a Todd Frazier like dropping him and then bringing him back and then dropping him again and having him retire from like the, the Iowa barnstormers or wherever he retired from. So hopefully this like pushes that in a new direction. You can see the lineup coming together. 
I I do like the fact that the majority of the names that I see on their 26-man roster right now, especially on the on the fielding position side and the hitting side, are names that I can say, yeah, I can see that guy sticking around for a while. It wasn't like that a year ago. I do want to go back to though to what you're talking about with finding guys that can hit that porch, you know, left-handed batters. The Minnesota Twins did a great job of this, I want to say, when they built their ballpark in Minneapolis. And for those that have never traveled there, I've gone to a lot of different baseball stadiums. For those who have never traveled out to Minneapolis, the, the stadium they play in now, when you approach it from right field, is actually at street level. It's really weird. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe that, but the concourse that's out there is at street level. And the seats are below street level. The field is on like this weird, almost like they built like a bridge. The reason that I bring that up is there's there's a street that runs straight out from home plate, creating a wind tunnel in right field to allow for left-handed power hitters to just crush the ball all day long while they're at home in Minnesota. At the time the ballpark was uh, created, Justin Morneau, Joe Maurer, that was the center of their lineup. Two guys that hit lefty and killed the ball into that alley. They 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 actually constructed a stadium and then added something <laughs> that helped their young players at the time that were their core. And since then, you'll notice that they try to find players that w- can take advantage of that. If the Pirate, you know, the, the Yankees, they do the exact same thing. The, the, oh, the, God, Reds, yeah. the Red Sox with that Penske's pole that's or whatever it is. I don't know what the hell the name of the pole is. Okay, it's down there in right field. There are players that can take advantage of specific dimensions in ballparks. And a good team is able to find guys that are even more valuable to them than they are to anybody else because of the way that dimensions play in their home ballpark. Now, you do run into something when you go on road trips and all of a sudden that guy's flying out at the warning track. You know, I mean, you can't have an entire team of guys like that. He still has to be good overall. But it, when it, when it's all of a sudden like a power up thing, like in a video game, like, oh, you're in your own ballpark. You have now increased your ability to do all these different things by like tenfold. That's that's a great advantage to find guys that can do that. Yeah, it's it's definitely been it's it's been an eye opening experience. And it's been something that we've been kind of waiting for and, and have seen from time to time. I mean, it's not like there haven't been any, you know, like a Brian Giles or something, you know, that could could do that. But at the time when we're, I mean, quote unquote, supposed to have a competitive window and, and to be able to put, you know, something like that on the ball field and to see that type of young player with, I hate to say it, like a ton of control, like it's it's good to see. I mean, it's it's could be a perfect storm. It could not be. But for right now, I'm enjoying it, Chris. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. 